Welcome back to the Introvert City Podcast, where we discuss culture, media, and faith from the perspective of an introvert's complex mind. How are we today, Seth? Well, first off, I'm Seth. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. And I'm Karina. <laughs> yes, and we're back today, guys. We are back today. Yes. You know, I was I was just watching, you know, I just watched, what which is one of my favorite movies. What I just watched Family of the Opera. Oh, yeah. Um, also, me and Seth went to do karaoke the other day, and we yes. sang, what, what was it, Angel of Music? We sang, no, we just sang, we sang the title track. We just sang Phantom okay. of the Opera. It was great. Seth and I were such theater <laughs> kids growing up. Well, I think I was more of a theater kid than you. No, yeah, I was more of a choir kid, but you, but we were both theater kids. Yes, yeah. for sure. In fact, I think you, you just saw a show, right? Yes. You did. I did. I saw a couple shows this summer, actually. Um, I went to one theater to see the Titanic, which was fabulous. Would see it again. Would recommend. And the most recent show I saw was Moses. And I'm giving too much away because (laughs) I'm about to introduce the theater that we are going to be talking about today. Because today we have a guest on and we're going to give the well-deserved introduction. So our focus today is going to be on a theater that is widely known and visited by Mm -hmm. people from all over the world, you guys. One of the most sought-after theaters in the country. And this theater is famous for using real-life trained animals on stage in order to really bring the production to life. And if we want to talk about elements coming to life, we also have to bring attention to the unbelievably incredible sets, lighting, cast, and crew. All of the teams work together in this beautifully harmonious fashion in order to bring Bible stories to the stage. Have you guessed it yet? Have you guessed where I saw Moses? I don't know. What are you talking about? (laughs) We are going to be talking about (laughs) Sight and Sound Theaters located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Karina and I have always, we've always loved Sight and Sound. Yes. Um, In fact, I think before I even moved to this part of Pennsylvania, the first I ever knew of Lancaster was Sight, Sight and Sound, and sound. Theaters. Yep. One of the first things we did out here is we saw Joseph and Jonah. Mm. Um, I was probably like eight or ten at the time. I saw Jesus. You saw Jesus? I never got to see Jesus. Jesus was fantastic. But Jonah was my favorite one. Jonah was my favorite one. This theater was started and founded by the ground up by a man with a very big dream. Yes. And that same man is actually here with us in the studio today, yes. ready to share his story with us. So welcome to the Introvert City podcast, Mr. Eshelman. Oh, thank you. It's great to be <laughs> with you today. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Glenn Eshelman um, has spoken to many, many audiences about his testimony and founding the theater and what the vision looked like, and that's really what we want to talk about today. So just for starters, can you walk us through your testimony of faith and how you came to know the Lord for yourself? I sure can. Um, Let's start with the most important thing in my life. Mm. I was born again and saved at the age of 10 years. Mm. Mm. And I'm born and raised on a Lancaster County farm in a very conservative but a very good home. I've been taught the Word of God far back as I can remember and was raised with parents who loved God, served Mm. the Lord Jesus, and gave to me an incredible foundation in which Sight and Sound is a part of today. My father was a a dairy farmer. My mother always helped on the farm, and I thought I would die a dairy farmer. (laughs) At the age of 10, there was an incredible forest fire in Canada, 
as we just have experienced recently, and the smoke from that fire came down over northeastern United States and covered Lancaster County. And I remember one afternoon, the sky turned into such a spectacular, uh, glorious sky, one like I have never seen in my lifetime. And I remember the family was standing inside the kitchen, looking out the window at the sky. And my mother commented, I wonder if this could be the return of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. I had not accepted Christ at that time yet, but I had conviction in my heart that I should. And I was so convicted at that moment by the glory of God in the heavens that I wanted to give my heart to Jesus right there. Oh, wow. I had an uncle who was a minister, lived on our neighboring farm. And I said to mother and daddy, I said, would you please take me up to Uncle Abe? I said, I'd like to give my heart to Christ. And daddy said, we're going to have revival in our church in just two weeks. Why don't you wait till then and do it in a revival service? Oh, wow. God knows your heart. And if he's going to come back at this time, I'm sure he's going to take you with him. (laughs) Two weeks later, first song of invitation, first verse, I was on my feet, publicly giving my my life and my heart to Jesus Christ. Amen. And it was a very meaningful moment in my life, one that I shall never forget. So um, from that point on, I really had a deep desire to serve God, to do the will of God, and to fulfill the job description that Jesus has given me and all mankind who believe in him, to proclaim the gospel and go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that has been my driving factor from a youth until the age I am right now. As far back as I can remember, I had a real desire to just glorify God even through his creation. I was always very impressed and moved by the creation of God, still am today. But as a boy, being out in the fields with the horses, then with the tractor, in the barn with all the animals and around the many animals on the farm, I would come into the house evenings and I would sketch what I saw through the day of God's creation. I had a box of eight crayons, and then I would collar that which I sketched. And as far back as I can remember, I was just driven with a pencil, with a paper, and my crayons. For some reason unknown yet to me, which was very unusual in a conservative home like I was raised, my parents saw this gift of art in me, and they began to encourage me with that. And I would like to say to the audience whom I'm speaking to today, especially to the parents, take notice of the gifts that God's put in your children, and then be quick to encourage that gift, because only God knows what that gift can turn into, of which my parents did. And not only did they encourage me with my gift, at the age of eight, they bought me five tubes of oil paint, and two paintbrushes. To this day, I don't know why they did it. Someday in heaven, I will find out. Hmm. But they gave them to me. I never asked for them. More than that, I had no clue how to use them. Hmm. (laughs) But by the grace and the goodness of God and his sovereign leading in my life, I had a Sunday school teacher who was an artist. 
Oh, wow. He also saw this gift of art within me, and he encouraged it. He learned one day that I had received oil paints and said to me, if you ever need any help with painting, he said, I would be more than glad to mentor you and help you learn how to oil paint, of which he did. And God used that Sunday school teacher in my life to help develop the gift that God gave me. By the age of 12, I painted a painting of our home farm. It was a very large painting, at least four feet or more. My parents encouraged me to take that painting and exhibit it at our local farm show, of which I did, and I won a blue ribbon. I got an award with it, but more than that, I got public, ex public exposure through that, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, other farmers were asking me to paint their farms. Wow. And I became very busy as a young teenager painting Lancaster County farms. <laughs> I wasn't even charging for them because I didn't think they were good enough. Hmm. But somebody said to me, your paintings are so good, you need to start charging for them, of which I did. Hmm. And by the time we got married, I went full time as an artist painting only Lancaster County farms. While painting these Lancaster County farms, I would go out in the fields and I would sketch that which I was going to paint. I came back and put my sketch on the easel and discovered I forgot the colors of some things, how many windows, the placement of some things. So I bought my first camera to reference the farms that I was painting. Very soon I fell in love with photography as much as I was with art. Photography is really art. People often ask me, what is the best camera I can get? I say, they're all good. It's not mm. the camera, it's the person behind the camera. Mm. So I soon started photographing many scenes of Lancaster County, Lebanon County, York County, and I had acquired quite a, quite a library of photographs. 1965, a lady from our church called and said, Glenn, would you be willing to show some of your slides for a family night we're going to have at Hostetter's Banquet Hall? And I turned her down. <laughs> wow. And my wife wondered why I turned her down. I said, as a boy, I remembered missionaries coming to our church with their slideshows. And I remember laying on that hard bench in the wee hours of the morning just bored to death. <laughs> and I said, I am not going to do that to other people. So this lady kept persisting that we do this. So finally I said yes to her. I said yes, but I also did it with a vision in mind. I said to my wife, I said, we're going to show these slides, but I said, let's do something different with them. I said, let's take some music, put music to it, scripture, poetry, narration, and make a slideshow. And that's what we did. But it was with the intent of only showing this one night. Mm -hmm. It had no title. There was one projector. Shirley was holding the flashlight, reading script, dropping a needle on a turntable, one of the big records. Hmm. I was clicking the projector, reading script, and little did we know that night was Sight and Sound's premiere showing, our wow. debut. From that night, hmm. people started to ask if we would show it. There are different places, churches, convention halls. We gave it a title, To God Be the Glory. We made it portable, that you could take it on the road. Soon we added a second projector, a third projector, a fourth projector. We developed our own dissolve unit that we could dissolve all these projectors together. 
and it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. (laughs) (laughs) People just started asking for this. We added another table to the road, a third, a fourth. Finally, we had four tables traveling throughout this country from Mm. Maine to Florida, from Pennsylvania to Colorado, New Mexico. We had six operators and it grew into an incredible business. So that was the setup and the starter, the beginnings of Sight and Sound. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. I don't know if anyone would, if you just walked up to them and told them casually in conversation that that was the beginning because of how huge Sight and Sound is now. You know, I I don't think anyone could (laughs) believe that it started with just a projector and a slideshow. How God is so amazing. He can use anything. And five tubes of paint and two paintbrushes. (laughs) And that. Yep. It's it's incredible. The Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Hmm. The Bible says God orders the steps of the righteous. And you know, we all started to walk by just taking small steps. And so has he done the same with our lives. Small steps, but each step kept getting bigger and larger, took more faith, more trust, but God was faithful. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you shall complete it and shall bring it to finish. I, I resonate so much with the idea that at the beginning it was all just, you know, crayons and pencils and just painting out what you saw outside your window. I feel like, you know, you never realize it when you're in it how it can expand. You no. know, like all, like all these singer-songwriters, all these movie directors, they don't realize that their five-minute high school class project on their on their camera, that they're one day going to be, you know, just as big as any other big director nowadays. They don't realize, that artist doesn't realize one day that they could be as big as Michael Jackson, you know? They never realize that. But keeping that going, because in that time, you almost kind of feel like, oh, what's, that, what's ever going to happen to this? Who's going to ever listen to my, you know... Five five second little little track here. Who's ever gonna look at my tiny little picture that I put out and then I'm handing out in a in this park at this uh, art right. convention, and then it just grows and grows and grows and it almost feels like how did I even get here? And that's incredible. Jeremiah says, "I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bless you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future." So many times we live by our plans and not by God's plan. My plan originally was to be a full-time dairy farmer. I took FFA in school. I was very involved with agriculture. I was involved with 4-H. When I graduated, I bought a herd of 18 registered Holstein cows. And my plan was to go large as a dairy farmer. Hmm. My father had two farms, very good farms in Lancaster County. My plan was someday to take over that farm and become the dairy farmer that I was dreaming to be. God's plans were different than mine. And sometimes how he gets us from our plans to his plans, it's not an easy road. My mother was very involved with the farm. She helped in the barn, helped in the fields. We helped in the garden, in the kitchen. We worked together very closely, and we were a very tight family. At the age of 45, she passed away suddenly from leukemia. My father was so affected by that death, he couldn't handle the sight of the farm or being on the place where she lived and worked with him. Decided to sell the farm. Came to me 
unannounced, saying, Glenn, if you want to continue with the dairy business, you will either have to have, find another farm to have your cows, which I had my cows at my grandfather's farm, or sell the cows. Because hmm. he said, I am going to be moving to that farm where you have your herd. With all the turmoil that was going on, I decided to sell the herd. And for the first time in my life, I was without dream and vision of being a dairy farmer. So what I did at that time in my life, I went back to the paintbrush. And I went back to the gift that then took me to the camera, that then took us to where we are today. So without difficult and hard time in my life, I'd probably be a dairy farmer today. But God knows how to get us into his plans and where he wants us to be for his kingdom. And that happens many times. It's not the last time it happened. God has used difficult times in our lives to get us to the next step, to the next place in life. Let me take you to another spot that I think would be interesting here okay. uh, for this podcast. Yeah, okay. definitely. We had become so busy with our slideshows that we had six operators on the road, and we were all very, also very involved with photography. I was doing a lot of landscape work. A lot of it was agricultural work for magazines, advertisements. Also, I had a studio. We were doing a lot of portrait work. We lived in a, uh, a Mennonite community and did a lot of Mennonite weddings. I was not permitted in a Mennonite church with my camera, so the wedding party would come to our studio for their pictures. Oh, wow. Hmm. We were doing a lot of portraiture work, uh, senior work. While doing that, we were still, my wife and I, were still very involved in taking out the slideshows. One night I was coming home from Philadelphia on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I, was, I took two weddings that day. I had a slideshow that night in Philadelphia. I was also a minister in the Middle Creek Church of the Brethren, and I was scheduled to preach the next morning. And I was weary. I was tired. And I remember saying in my heart, Father, this is not my cut of the cloth. I am not someone to just live on the road with slideshows. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me in my heart, did you ever think of having the people come to you rather than you go to them? And I said, no, I never really thought of that. But it's a good idea. So I went home and told my wife about this. She thought it was a good idea. So what we did we rented the Lancaster Bible College Auditorium Gymnasium mm. in 1972 for 10 weeks throughout the summer when school was out, and we put together a multimedia show entitled The Wonder of It All. It was from creation to revelation. And what we did with that, we really raised the bar. We took an 80-foot screen with 15 high-intensity projectors and did this show on it. It was like IMAX. <laughs> to my knowledge, there wasn't anything being done like this. But what happened in those 10 weeks? We sold out every show, every night. Wow. Oh, wow. It played to over 30,000 people, ministered to over 30,000 people, and proved to us that the people would come to us, we would not have to go to them. And it also provided enough of seed money for us to buy three and a half acres of land down along 896 where we built our first auditorium called Sight and Sound Living Waters Auditorium. That was the beginning and the first auditorium that we did multimedia shows in to start with and then added live stage later on. That was built in 1976, 
opened in 1976, and in 1985, we did our first all-live stage production entitled Behold the Lamb, hmm. okay. a production on the life of Christ. That was the beginnings. That was done at Living Waters. That was the beginnings of sight and sound and putting the Bible on stage. Hmm. Hmm. That's incredible. I wanted to ask just about the first show. So as you talked about Behold the Lamb, what was that like? What was it like to put on that first big show? Like, what was that first night like? It was a show like no other show I had ever seen on the life of Christ. Hmm. Up until that time, I was seeing mainly church productions done Mm -hmm. on Passion Week, which was good. good. But I took this way beyond Passion Week. I took Behold the Lamb from the birth of Christ up until he's coming again. And not only did we take just the life of Christ, we put the negative side to that. We brought the enemy in there. Hmm. He was being just tested constantly by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, questioning his teaching, questioning, are you really the Son of God? We put his miracles in there, and uh, uh, the power of uh, Christ's teaching to the world. But the crucifixion, the resurrection, was done in a way I had never seen it done before. Mm-hmm. That was the first show. That, was, that really became the launching pad and the launching rocket that lifted sight and sound to a whole new height. Mm-hmm. We started to fill that place up. We were doing up to five shows on a Saturday in there. It was a 750-seat auditorium, and we were selling that show out a year on ahead. It was so much in demand that it soon required a larger place, which we built in 1991. Hmm. So the current Sight and Sound building, you and your team built from the ground up. Yes. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That building, for anyone who's ever seen a Sight and Sound show, takes your breath away. It is Mm -hmm. magical walking up to that building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would like to share with you how God has always provided I could sit here for the rest of the day and tell you miracle after miracle that we've seen God do. When we went to build that first auditorium, we had enough of financing, enough of money to buy the land. Beyond that, we didn't have the money to put up a theater. Back then, we needed $100,000 to build that first theater. We went to our local bank. We asked for a loan of $100,000. The board turned us down. They said, we don't think anything like this could ever work in Lancaster County in a cornfield. That is hilarious. We had three men in our local area. We lived in Mannheim at that time. They had been following us with our slideshows and the work we had been doing. They believed in us. They went to the board of directors and said, we believe this would work in Lancaster County. We would like you to reconsider that loan of which they did and gave it to us. Wow. Had not God used three men, unbeknownst to us, there wouldn't be a sight and sound today. Amen. That's, that's it's insane. how God has used people in our lives. Sight and sound today employs over 800 people between mm-hmm. Lancaster, Sir Strasburg, and Branson. Mm-hmm. And we often look, the older Shirley and I get, the more we are aware and we are humbled by the people that God brought around us to make this happen. And we look back over the journey of our life and see 
how God used individual after individual, employee after employee, who God brought to us at just the right time with just the right gifting to help bring us to where we are today. It's been God and God alone. We can always say all that we are and ever hope to be, we owe it all to him. Because in the natural, sight and sound should not be. Hmm. Therefore, it has to be a supernatural work of God that he has done and brought into fruition and being today. Hmm. Hmm, Wow. I, I, I wanted to ask a question. It seems like this was such a big opportunity for you, for your family, for you and your wife. Um, I wanted to ask, were there any other times where you were thinking, oh, I don't know if sight and sound is what I want? Were there any times that you were like, that you saw other opportunities to go for and you saw saw that this sight and sound thing, I don't know if there might be better opportunities out there for me as as a painter, as a photographer. Can you talk about that? One in particular, before there was a sight and sound, uh, when I was very much into art, doing mostly art, artwork, painting, I received notice from Disney in California mm. asking if I would consider being a part of the art department. Wow. That's crazy. And it was a great opportunity. Made me really think twice. I uh, would have had to move to California but it would have been the opportunity of a lifetime in the secular realm. Mm. So what I did at that time, I evaluated what I was doing and where I want to go. And I had to decide, life is choices. I had to decide, am I going to take the gift that God gave me and use it to draw mice and ducks and entertain the secular world? Or am I going to take that gift and use it to entertain the spiritual side of life with people and bring forth the kingdom of God and the gospel to people Mm. with the gift God gave me. Mm. I made the choice not to go with mice and ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Not that it was wrong. Mm. It's wonderful family entertainment. At the same time, God had a higher calling on my life. And uh, the Bible says, we are his workmanship created unto good works. And that's been a driving factor in my life, to take that gift that God gave me and use it for his glory. I might say at this time, I have five Ds that I have taught, I have lived by, and I really tried to put in the hearts of our employment at Sight and Sound and my family. The first D is discover the gift that God has given you. We all have been given a gift. Nobody is left without God is faithful to give every created person that he has created a gift, something that just automatically comes. It happens without thinking. It's just that this inside of you that wants to come out. Mm. So discover that. But after you've discovered it, number two, develop it and get good at it. You get good at it by practicing it, believing in it, and working at it. I look at the great athletes today. They don't get to where they are without just working at it and practicing the sweat, the hard work that goes into it. And that's what I did with the gift of painting and art. Kept working at it and practicing it. And you practice and get so good at it to the point that you're confident with that gift. And you have faith in the gift and that God gave you. And then you come to the, the third D, you deliver it. But you deliver it for the glory of God and for the help of other people. I think a good example of this is David on the back 40. 
taking care of his daddy's sheep, when one day he discovered he was good with a stone in a slingshot. And he kept throwing that and throwing that, developing it. And I can just picture him throwing to the knothole on that tree time after time until he never missed. And when it came time to deliver it with Goliath, there was such confidence in that gift, faith and trust in it with God. He said, this day God shall deliver you into my hands. And with that confidence and that accuracy and that faith, he dropped the giant. But not only did he drop the giant, he delivered all of Israel that day from the Philistines, their enemy. That's the power of your gift. The fourth D and the fifth D, I put them together. After you're good at it, you're making money with it, and you got a name with it, and things are looking great, determine, number four, not to let the devil, number five, get it. So many times I have seen this in people's lives. They discovered it. They got good at it. They were making a great name and money with it. They were delivering it, but they sold it out Hmm. to a world system. And the enemy, Satan himself, was getting the glory. That's Hmm. Yeah, I immediately think about so many examples of people who used an incredible God-given talent and ended up twisting it for something that they didn't even imagine, you know, and, and now it's a whole new identity after you've taken it and ran with it. So I think that's very important that people know and understand that your gift is good and pure and from your creator. And you're to use it to, to love others and to love your creator. So I think that's a, it's good that you highlight that. I want to say this yet about the gifts. The gifts. God has given me a wife and her gift is totally different than mine. Her gift is painting with numbers. <laughs> She's a business gal. And uh, she knows how to work numbers. She also is strong with administration, very detailed. And it's amazing how God brought somebody into my life to fill that weak area, but also give me that helpmate that can help bring sight and sound to where it is today. Mm -hmm. She took care of the business side, the numbers side. I took care of the production, the creative side. Um... We laugh about it, saying, I'm the throttle, she's the brake. <laughs> and I tell her many, many times, without my throttle, you would have gotten nowhere. But she's quick to tell me, without my brake, you'd have went over the cliff and crashed. Mm. And she is so true. You need both the throttle and the brake to make a successful journey. Yes. But as I have said before, not only did she give me a wife, did he give me a wife with that gift He gave us 800 people with different gifts. Hmm. The many different gifts and departments of sight and sound to bring forth a production and bring forth that production to an audience of people, it's unbelievable. It's just amazing how many people blend that. It's like an orchestra, I often say. Everybody's making a different sound. But when you blend it all together, you get one beautiful, masterpiece mm-hmm. of music and sound that inspires, lifts you, takes you to a new realm. Yeah, we just mm-hmm. talked about that on a previous episode. We did. With my we dad, did. actually. Mm-hmm. talked about the meaning of shalom and how people often use it to, to say blessings or to say hello. But the true meaning of shalom in the, in the Bible is harmony mm-hmm. and um, different parts working together. And the illustration of an orchestra was used. And 
God desires to see humanity in that beautiful, harmonious orchestra. Absolutely. With all of the gifts working together for good. So good. Yes. And um, I think that also, uh, this is just such a great topic to talk about because for both Karina and I, we both just, I'm very much into music. Yep. Karina is up, to, is up to being on stage. And this is sight and sound and theater and the gift of pulling out a dream and pushing it out forward physically is something that has always intrigued us and something that has always caught both of our eyes. It's incredible to hear. Mm -hmm. My next question is more about the technical side of sight and sound. Do you remember the first show that was put on in the new big current building and then how that led to the current productions, which are huge and with animals and and lights and all of the teams? Great question. (laughs) We had no uh, outgrown living waters. And it's very interesting, again, how God works. We did Sunday night gospel films in the Living Waters Auditorium, and it became known as the Mennonite Movie Theater. (laughs) Mennonites were not allowed to have TVs. Hmm. They were not allowed to go to the theater. (laughs) But we were taking gospel films, which were very popular back then, Billy Graham films, Johnny, Crossing the Switchblade. Many of them were awesome coming out. And we uh, ran these every Sunday night at Sight and Sound in the first auditorium. Afterwards, I would always give a message. Many people got saved those Sunday nights and had their life touched and changed in a spiritual way. One night after those, the film, and I was done speaking, I was standing back in the lobby. This man walked up to me, never saw him, didn't know him, came out of nowhere, and he said, Are you Glenn Eshelman? I said, I am. He said, you need to find more land, and soon. Never said another word and walked away. It was like an angel. And when he said it, it was not just a word. It was like a knife in my heart. Because hmm. I wasn't looking for land, but I knew it was a word from the Lord through him saying, you need to start looking for land. Two weeks later, I used to go just a short distance up the road from my lunch to Hershey Farms. And I used to sit at the calendar there And the owner of Hershey Farms would come over and we'd chat together. One lunchtime I was there and he came over and sat. We were talking. And out of nowhere he said, hey, Glenn, he said, you wouldn't be interested in buying more land, would you? Whoa. Mm. Hit me so hard. I said, matter of fact, I would be. He said, well, there's land for sale right up here on this hill. So he and I walked up, went crawled through a barbed wire fence and stood at the place where the Millennium Theater sets right now. And he said, this property, I think, is for sale. Well, I said, who owns it? He told me who did. I called him, went to visit them, and in a short time, we had an agreement, made settlement on 65 acres of land there. When we went to build up there, there were no public utilities on that place. So we were ready to start building. We had acquired sewage through Hershey Farms, but it was time to drill a well, and we had no water. So my director of building called me one day and he said, Glenn, he said, we got to decide where we're going to put a well here. He said, I understand it's very hard to hit water in this area. So I said, okay, let's meet down there. And I said, we'll pray. So Amish were building our first production building and we were just ready to build a barn to keep our animals in. So Doyle Heisey was our director of building and he and I stood there where they were building the barn and I started to pray. And as I was praying where to place this well, I was 
I had a dry well. I was getting no feedback. So I said to Doyle, I said, why don't you pray? I said, I'm just getting nothing. So Doyle started to pray, and while he was praying, the Holy Spirit said to me, put it on the hill behind you. I didn't even realize there was a hill behind me. <laughs> Opened my eyes and looked back, and lo and behold, there was, it was a hard hill. Wow. Hmm. I said, Doyle, I said, stop praying. I said, I just got a strong word. We're to put that well on that hill. Well, he said, Glenn, he said, we can't even get a well driller up there. I said, I know, but I said, that's what I got. He said, well, here's the stake. He said, you go put it in the ground. So I walked up the hill and put it in the ground. I came down the next morning. The well driller was there. He backed up on that hill, and in order to get a level truck to be able to drill that well, he had the front end up in the air about 10, 12 feet. I was able to walk under the truck. And while he was drilling, I asked him, did you hit water yet? No. He said, I said, well, keep drilling. I started to walk away, and all of a sudden I heard this gushing sound. And I can still hear his words. He just yelled out. He said, oh, my golly, we hit an ocean. <laughs> I looked back, and there was water just gushing out of that. And to this day, we have not been able to measure the amount of water that's coming out of that well. Mm. And it supplies water for three shows a day up there of six, 7,000 people. It's incredible. It was a miracle of God. We opened up that theater in 1991, 1,400-seat, called the Entertainment Center. The first show we did in there was Behold the Lamb. 1995, I produced the production of Noah, and Noah was and is our signature show of today. Mm -hmm. That has played to close to 9 million people since it has opened and just became the real launching rocket that took sight and sound where it is today. Mm -hmm. Following that, though, um, I did a show entitled Daniel. While I was producing and working on the show of Daniel, we were doing Noah in that theater, the entertainment center. January of 97, we were, our family was away on a ski trip up in Canada. I got a phone call one morning from my daughter saying, Daddy, if you're planning to go out skiing early this morning, stick around for a while. There's a fire in the auditorium. We don't think it's too bad, but uh, just stick around. Mm. My wife is in bed sleeping yet. The children were in bed sleeping. I didn't even call them. About an hour later, I got another phone call saying from our CFO, our CEO, you need to come home right away. We have a major fire. So we flew all day, got home in Harrisburg that night. And when we got home, we discovered all that we ever worked for, believed for, and had been doing was gone. Oh my goodness. Nothing left. Oh my God. There was nothing left on that hill but a pile of molten steel and rubble and debris. It took six months to clean that hill off. But for the first three days after the fire, we had about 300 employees. We had several hundred thousand tickets sold for 1997 for the show of Noah. We had no place for our employees. No, no place for our, 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 our people to come in and watch a show. The show was gone. The building was gone. Nothing left. Hmm. So for three days, the Sight and Sound leadership team, board of directors, family, met down in our farmhouse where we live and just were working through the logistical end of how we're going to get through this. It was the end of the third day. Shirley and I were sitting out in the kitchen, and everybody was gone. 
it was the wee hours of the morning, and we were beat. We were tired. We were weary. And it was quiet as we were sitting in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, Shirley said to me, she said, Glenn, you know, we have worked hard all of our life, and we're getting older. She said, do you know what this is going to mean to come back again? I said, Shirley, I haven't even thought about coming back again. I said, I'm just trying to get through the upfront days of this. And then it got quiet. But then she said, do you really want to come back again? Hmm. That was a hit. I said, Shirley, I haven't even thought about coming back again. I said, you're in this as much as I am. I said, do you want to come back again? We were out of debt, and we had about half the amount of money, not even, no, a quarter of amount of money in insurance to come back again. It was a $40 million loss. Mm. So I had to think, your mind goes to work. We could take that $11 million, send the 300 people home, 300 employees home, and probably live happily ever after. Mm. Bottom line is we would not have lived happily ever after. So here was Shirley's reply. Shirley said, to me, sight and sound is not a business. She said, to me, it's even much more than a ministry. She said, to me, this is a high calling that God has put on our lives many years ago. And if we don't come back again, she said, I don't think I could ever sleep another night or live another day with myself. I said, Shirley, you are right. A fire can destroy a building, but it cannot destroy the calling. Mm. We knew in our hearts what we were called to. Got up the next morning, took my pencil and paper, drew the Millennium Theater, made a model of it in one-eighth inch scale, called all the employees together at Hershey Farms, the board of directors, the leadership team, showed them the model and said, we're coming back. Yes. And this is what we're coming back with. Mm. What the enemy has meant for evil, God's going to turn it into good, Amen. of which he did. Mm. So those were the beginning days of the Millennium Theater. Yes. It was a miracle. Six months to clean that hill off. We started building, uh, pouring foundation in the fall of 1997. Come January of 98, we were starting to put steel up over the uh, stage of the new auditorium. Mm -hmm. 1998, September 1st, we opened the doors with the show of Noah in the new Millennium Theater. Mm -hmm. hmm. Not only did we have to build a building, we had to build the shows again. Oh, yeah. I said I did something no one ever did. I built the ark twice. <laughs> <laughs> His floated mine burned. But it was a miracle. There were days of over 500 people working on that site at one time. But we opened up in that amount of time by the grace, the help of God. Mm. Amen. And from there, you continued to pick out Bible characters and focus on their story and put those stories on stage, which is still happening today, and the productions are absolutely breathtaking. Mm -hmm. Now, do you still sit down and write everything out and create the art and create the vision, or have you sort of passed that on to somebody now? No. Um, the children, a few years ago, have taken over the operations. Shirley and I still retain ownership, 
but though, um, and we're still very involved with the larger decisions mm -hmm. in the board meetings and that. But operations are by the children today, hmm. and they're doing an incredible job with it. We uh, came to a place in our lives where we, we realized the world of technology is getting beyond us. We were raised in a different culture than what our children were, and with different kind of technology, very much so. Mm. Also, I was producing show after show, and I was beginning to feel as I got older, I hope I'm still connecting with the next generation. So I started to mentor some of the children, some of the family, realizing that it might be time for me to soon step away okay. and let the children do the productions for their generation, of which we did. And it has been a great move. Uh, they, have, um, they have abilities uh, in the technical world <laughs> that I don't have, and neither does Shirley in the business realm. So they are doing a great job today. In fact, oh, uh, our one son-in-law, uh, he has produced some of the shows. Our grandson, he produced the show of David, which played here just recently. Mm. Did an incredible job with it. A large number of our family, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, our daughters, uh, son-in-laws, very much involved with Sight and Sound. Our daughters all serve on the board of directors. They're partial owners of it. But um, also out of that came new vision uh, for some new production type work. I would like to say this, again, how God works in our lives when we're not always right. Years ago, we were being approached to do DVDs of our shows. And Shirley and I, we had really been against it. We said, you start selling DVDs, we're going to lose audience. Hmm. Because if you can watch a DVD for a couple dollars, why pay the big price for a ticket? Right. Mm -hmm. So what happened, there was a man, a friend of ours, he had these HD trucks, traveled all over the country with him, and he was good. Offered to come in and shoot some of our shows in HD, of which he did. We left him do it. So after he came in and did it, the children talked us into making DVDs. Again, we said, okay, we're not in total agreement, but uh, we'll agree with you. So they did it, and DVDs were selling well. COVID hit. When COVID hit, our place was shut down. Had to send 800 and some employees home. And out of that, we got a phone call from TBN. Trinity Broadcasting Network, saying, we understand you have the Jesus show shot in HD, edited, ready to air. We said, we do. Would you be interested in letting us run that over the Easter weekend in 2020? Mm -hmm. Yep, I remember that. I remember mm -hmm. watching it. Yeah. <laughs> so we agreed to do it and said, yeah, and we'll do it at no charge because we believe in reaching the world with the gospel. So they ran it that weekend, played over six million people around the world. Wow. What happened from that? It gave the family a vision to put together a network called Sight and Sound TV. 
of which we have the day. So where we were balking and saying no to putting it on DVD or even shooting it in HD, mm -hmm. God used it to reach many more people in 2020 than what we could have ever done on a stage. And it's incredible when we look back how God takes people again, brings them into our life, and sets us up for Sight and Sound TV today. Yes. We also have another department now today entitled Sight and Sound Films. Oh. Um, one of our son-in-laws and the family really had a vision for doing Sight and Sound Films. So we produced a show entitled I Heard the Bells. Uh, I don't know if you saw it or not. We did. We, we did. actually were at the, we were at the um, film when Journey went. Yeah, we went. We went. It was and it was incredible. We loved it. It was more than what we expected. So that opened up another whole realm for us. We're producing another film right now, Sight and Sound. It's oh, really? going to be coming out in uh, about two years. Okay. Awesome. But it's how God has been growing. I did not say this in two thousand five. Let me rewind the tape a minute. We get call after call from around the world to plant a sight and sound theater in their locale. And in 2005, we were just getting so many calls, visiting different places, but God really put it in my heart to put a theater in Branson, Missouri. So after a lot of trips to Branson, I found a piece of land out there that really worked. And in 2008, we opened a theater in Branson, exactly like we have in Strasburg. Hmm. So we have another ministry going in the middle part of this country, the other side of the Mississippi, hmm. which provides better usage of our sets and provides a way for people in the Midwest and West to get to see one of the shows. That's great. That's incredible. I wanted to just mention that. That's incredible the way you guys were able to find that the way you found that new place a new place to build a building more more land how you came back from the fire um, like it says in matthew five fourteen, ye are the light of the world a city set on top of a hill cannot be hidden amen F it, finding that literally on a hill <laughs> you can't get you can't get any more you know serious than that and the one in branson is on a hill as well amen That's maybe amazing. more of the hill <laughs> <laughs> yeah. beautiful so as we kind of wrap up here, I just wanted to mention something that I thought was really, really cool and kind of a full circle moment. So the reason that Seth and I got the opportunity to meet Mr. Eshelman is because Seth and I obviously attend a church by the name of Journey Church, which we have mentioned before, located in Lancaster, PA. Shout out Journey. Yes. And we saw that Mr. Eshelman actually was there one Sunday giving his testimony um, on stage. And then we started to notice that he would visit um, every couple of Sundays, and we saw him in the congregation, and we eventually got the courage to go up and talk to him. It yes. took a lot of courage, you guys. We're introverts, we, introvert we were scared. City. <laughs> introvert city, guys. Remember that We name. were like, look, there he is. You talk to him. <laughs> you talk to him. Um, yeah, and after a couple weeks of, of building courage, we ended up um, introducing ourselves and asking about the show, and now here we are. God is so good. But Amen. now you, Mr. Eshelman, go to Journey every every now and then, and how does that feel to be, but I don't know if I mentioned this, Journey Church is, the, is located at the first sight and sound building. That Living you were, Waters. Yes. Yeah. 
So how does it feel to be in that building, sitting at a church service, knowing that this is where it all began? Well, there's not, there's not a time I walk in that place that a flood of memories I'm sure. Just don't hit me. Yes. And um, I've sat in there already through a service and just visualized what used to happen in there. Behold the Lamb, the Sunday night gospel films, Mm -hmm. and all the beginnings of sight and sound. And uh, there's been times I just sit there and weep, realizing what God has done in this place. But... Also very thankful, as we have dedicated that place when we build it to the glory of God, the building of the kingdom, and the reaching of souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see the work still continuing in a great and a powerful way there. It means ever so much to us. It was, again, a sovereign move of God uh, that he was able to connect us with Journey Church and then be able to sell that property to them and continue the work of ministry today. What a blessing, and we're so thankful that that could happen. Mm -hmm. Amen. We also wanted to ask, because we always, we have to ask this question, would you identify as an extrovert or an introvert? Mm, In the middle. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first time we've gotten someone say in the middle. Yeah, I, uh, I used to work with a team of people. Now I work alone as an mm. artist and as a farmer. Shirley and I still live on a farm. I still farm 65 acres of land and uh, raise organic grass-fed beef cattle. But mostly I still work in my art room at my easel painting. And now I work alone. So there I'm an introvert. Yes. Mm. I, uh, I work good by myself. I'm also... One who has to connect with people. Hmm. And I, I work good as a team player, very good as a team player. In fact, Ola, I'm working right now. I've laid my paintbrush aside for about two years, and I'm working right now on producing the sight and sound story. And I'm doing that down in the art room and the art gallery of our barn, which has been renovated. As I'm working on that, I'm building models as I used to do for Sight and Sound all the time for their productions. From where Sight and Sound began on the home farm where I was raised, born and raised, Shirley's home farm, up to where we are today, the models. My granddaughter is coming in the first of the year to help me produce this show. She's going to start doing the scripting, the technical end, the media end of it, while I keep working on the models and bringing all the history together of sight and sound. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm both. I, I would not say I'm more of one than the other, but uh, I work well with people. I love getting together with people. At the same time, I love just being alone. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love taking my camera yet. One of my favorite things to do is take my camera get in my Jeep, go out into God's world of creation all alone and spend time with that camera out there shooting pictures mm-hmm. and then putting multimedia shows together with them. Yes. Before we let you go, Mr. Ashman, we just wanted to know 
kind of where you are now, what what your vision is going forward, what you see for the theater maybe, and if you have any closing messages that you want the audience to remember, what would you say to them? Still a strong believer in what I said with the gift that God gave you. Years ago, when my wife and I turned the operations of Sight and Sound over to the children, I thought I was probably going to spend most of my time farming. One day I was out on the tractor on the hill of the farm, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said to me, how are you going to use the remaining years of your life that you have left? And I never really thought about that until then. And then I thought about this, and while I was thinking about it, the Holy Spirit said to me, what is the gift that I have given you? I said, you gave me the gift of art. What is the most important thing in your life? He said, you are the Lord Jesus. Then why not take the gift that I gave you Take the rest of your life and paint that which is the most important to you, the Lord Jesus. No question in my life, in my mind, that's what I was to do. So from that moment on, I determined I will take the remaining years of my life. I'm 83 years old, just about ready to hit 84. And I will use the rest of those days to do nothing but paint that which is most important to me. So I started to paint the pictures, and I wrote the story, read it in the Bible, and then painted the picture of the Lord Jesus. And I was doing these paintings, and one day one of my daughters said to me, Daddy, what are you going to do with these paintings? I said, I really don't know. I said, all I know is I'm just painting them, and I'm enjoying and loving painting them, and I'm storing them over here in the closet. She said, Noah, why don't you bring a book out? She said, do what you did at Sight and Sound, write the story, Put it on one page of the book, and on the other side, put the painting. Hmm. And I said, that's a good idea, Brenda. I said, instead of putting the Bible on stage, I'm now putting the Bible on canvas, and I could bring it to the people on the pages of a book. So that's what I did. And then she said, we're coming out with the Jesus show in about a year and a half. Why not have the book ready? and we'll sell it at the Jesus Show. Mm. So I really put the pedal to the metal and started painting faster and (laughs) get this book done. So we came out with this book entitled Stories of the Savior. There's 33 paintings in that book. Each one has the story written to it. And not only has it come into a book, we renovated the bottom of our barn into an art gallery. That art gallery has over 100 paintings of the life of Christ in it. People found out about this and started to come to the art gallery. As of today, I just brought a second book out entitled The Greatest Gift on the Life of Jesus. And we are having tour after tour coming through the art gallery, which is about an hour and a half, a two-hour tour, which we explain the painting, minister to them. Hundreds of people are being saved and ministered to and being touched with the Holy Spirit, power of the gospel, and the power of God's word. So we're still taking our mission statement, which is to sow the word of God, present the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of our customers through live theatrical stage productions or a studio art paint, art gallery production that ministers to people, brings people to Jesus. So incredible how this one vision, this one gift that you were given has branched out 
into infinite areas and infinite types of platforms, you know? It's beautiful. I would like to share where the vision for Sight and Sound came from. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Yeah. It's scriptural, and it means a lot to me even today yet. When I was looking for a name for Sight and Sound back in 1972, here at the Bible College, I had a lot of secular names written down. And one morning, I was in the Gospels reading in the book of Matthew, where the disciples said to Jesus one day, they said, Master, why do you teach in parables? Why do you do your ministry in story form? And here's what he said. In seeing, oh, sight, they don't see. In hearing, sound, they don't hear, he said. Thus, they, he said, their hearts have become hardened and they don't believe. And that hit me like that. That's exactly where we are today. So people are seeing spiritually, hearing spiritually, but they don't see, they don't hear. So I gave it the name Sight and Sound. But then what I saw in that, with his parables, Jesus staged his sermons. He took a lamb. He took soil, rocks, pearls, whatever he could get his hands on, illustrated it by staging it before the people. And in doing so, he said thus, their eyes were opened and they believed. Mm -hmm. And what worked for Jesus back then is still working in a powerful way today through sight and sound hmm. by putting the Bible on stage with the seeing and with the hearing. Mm -hmm. Well, we just want to say first off, thank you. You're for welcome. Your, for your absolute transparency, for just the wonder and awe in your story and in your testimony that you share. And it seems like for you, it seems like it's just so fresh every time you say it. It just, se it just seems to you like you still enjoy doing all this you enjoy the gift of sharing with others just as much as you did back on that first show. Absolutely. Yep. It's as fresh and real to me today as ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you very much for your time with us today. You are welcome. We really appreciate yes. it. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. That's our episode today, guys. We hope you really enjoyed it. We hope you guys have something to say about it as well. And you guys can message us at the underscore introvert underscore city mm -hmm. on, in, on Instagram. You can find us at the introvert city on Facebook. Yep. You can find Miss Karina at. Yes, you can find me at Karina underscore B04 on Instagram. And you can find me at it's underscore D-A-N-E-Y-L yes. on Instagram as well. And guys, if you have never invested in a sight and sound show and you're not in the area. Of course, there are many, many ways you can experience sight and sound. You can look into the films. You can look into the online productions as well, like Mr. Ashelman was saying. But if you have a chance to see an in-person production, guys, it is a mind-blowing, jaw-dropping experience, and I'm not exaggerating in the slightest. All of the shows I've seen have been absolutely stunning, and you can tell that there is just so much passion behind each and every actor, crew member, everything even just walking in is like a breath of fresh air so we want to thank you again mr ashman it was an honor more than welcome thank you all right guys we'll see you guys next, next week, week. bye bye bye, bye. bye home bodies